Um, I'd, I'd like to ask about uh, a question about the elephant that almost got mentioned, uh, banks and finance being created via debt and therefore the requirement for the economy to grow. Could you talk to, a little bit to that, please? Uh, well, a lot of ec ecological economists, uh, of course, uh, particularly steady staters, uh, believe we should be moving from 10% reserve requirements for bank, certainly much higher towards 100% reserve requirements. I know recently that uh, Peter Victor in his recent modelling has suggested that that's not as uh, urgent or necessary as some of them have uh, pointed out. But of course, uh, the main point is that many people point out is if you're only going to have a 10% reserve requirements, it's not a very resilient system if you get a shock as they found in Cyprus uh, a few years back. So, uh, yeah, most of us certainly in the steady state economy movement uh, would be arguing to be moving certainly to much higher levels of reserve requirements with, with banks so that, uh, uh, I mean, as Herman Daly argues and many other, other ecological economists argue, even with 100% reserve requirements, you can still uh, be making loans. I know Bob Costanza has talked about in some of his publications about time deposits, etc., in, in regard to loans uh, that uh, you can use. So there's uh, there's certainly a lot we can do, but uh, you know to, to move to a higher higher reserve requirements. Um, I'm not an expert in that particular area myself, but I think it's something that we have to have to talk about, and certainly. Um, yeah, at the moment we're stuck at the wrong end of the spectrum. Thank you. Did you have any comment on that? Did you? I'll leave it. Okay, no worries. We've got a question specifically about population. Um, I, I'm, I am trying to, is it, I'm so sorry, I'm just trying to be fair and have someone who hasn't asked a question, got a question about population? Amanda. I just want to say thank you, Jane, because I know the work you do takes a lot of courage to raise that issue. It's very contentious. I'm just wondering how politically, how do we get that back on the agenda, particularly given that that's going to take Western pressure and a lot of people's lived experience here is people trying to get pregnant and having issues with fertility. I'm just wondering around that cultural understanding of how important that population is. Like, What are the political strategies we need to be doing to organise people to put pressure on decision makers? Um, thanks for the question. I think one of the most important things is to get it back into the development agenda. So get the facts on the table to say, you know, this approach that development's the best contraception, we'll just let it run its course when we've addressed um, the economic issues facing poor countries, has been an abject failure. We need to get that message across. And it's starting to get across, and the other line is that Africa's different. You know, the things that worked in Asia won't work in Africa. Well, now we've got Rwanda and Ethiopia and um, Malawi and very recently Egypt coming back online with family planning, and the successes that they're running up on the board are going to be a big lesson to the other sub-Saharan Africans because they're showing that you can do it. Um, so that's, that's something that's really good. I don't know what we can do about USA politics when you know every Republican government can just pull the entire global funding for family planning out from underneath everybody. Um, but we we need to be able to have space to talk about what population growth means in this country, and that we um, don't get derailed on 
issues of race and ethnicity which really don't have anything to do with it at all. I suppose I have a question. There's a, I'd say that there's a, an assumption that um, decreasing population in some of the developed world that you've talked about has also decreased inequality, and I would challenge that. I think there's enough research to say that inequality has actually widened in some of those countries. So I'm really struggling to understand whose growth or birth rates you would, because all the images that I see are people of color, so that I find that really quite challenging. Um, and as a first generation migrant, I would also find um, it difficult. Many of us are migrants here, by the way, but I'm a visible migrant, I'd say. And um, so I think that I feel concerned about some of the simplistic stuff that you've put up because I know there's increasing inequality in the um, countries that have not been brought to the surface here. And I reject this idea of GDP, on the one hand, not being, you know, significant and on the other hand being used as an indicator. So yeah, I'm struggling to uh, reconcile what's being said with what's actually being presented. Did you have a response to that, Jane? I know, and remember, yeah, we only I have this 15-minute time slot to talk about such complex right. issues. I, I, so I was um, necessarily very superficial in the issues that I covered, um, but it's very much an issue for people anywhere on this planet um, that responsible parenthood means not having a large family, and having a large family means disinheriting not only your own children but the entire generational cohort of your children by crowding out the resources that they need. Um, that doesn't mean that we need to ram that sort of message down people's throats. There's, it doesn't take heavy-handedness to give people the ability to um, control their own lives and their own fertility. Um, and there are plenty of good reasons why they choose to do it themselves. As for migration, there's a difference between wanting to moderate an immigration quota and being anti-migrant. And recent migrants to Australia have more to benefit than anybody else by reducing our population growth rate because they're most likely to be competing for the same jobs and most likely to be um, in rental accommodation, which are the things that are, um, some of the things that are more directly impacted by over flooding our labour market with a lot of migrants, which means nothing to do with the refugee intake, which is less than 10% of our immigration, I would have to add. So I, I did apologise for using GDP, but there is no other metric that we can use that um, has been gathered from those countries over that period of time. Uh, and it does have um, real meaning in terms of people's access to the, the things they need and their ability to avoid deprivation. So um, they're just the, the macro data. Yes, we need cultural conversations about what procreation means within our own society and globally, but we can't just say, well, because we're white and they're of, of colour, it's their business, because we're all on this planet together and they need help from outside. 
Okay, well, thank you for handling these complex issues with respect and patience. And thank you both, Jane and Hayden, for your time today. I'm sorry, uh, like all sessions, I'm sorry to have more time.